Our Gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Church, hear what the Spirit is saying to you. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our love, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. My throat's a little sore from all the, the gut grunting that I just did for the children's message. I should have thought through that a little bit better, chosen an, an easier noise to make. <clears throat> Excuse me. Today, we will journey together. This is because love, love of God, love of our neighbor, and love of ourselves is not only an abstract concept or a mood or a general disposition. Love is known by the way it shows up in history, by the way, it, by the impact it makes. Today we will journey together because our gospel passage returns us to the roots of our faith. It, provi it provides the lens through which we make decisions, seek God in the world, and read our scriptures. Today we will journey together because love must mean something. And we learn what love means by tracing our travels thus far and looking forward towards an uncertain future. In our text today, we join Jesus near the end of his life's journey. He is in Jerusalem and is days away from being crucified. In these last few days, Jesus challenges the authority of the powerful, speaks of the coming kingdom of God through parables, reminds his followers that ultimately they are more beholden to God than to Caesar, and critiques theological systems that seek God only in dusty doctrines and not in lived faith. Now, in a last-ditch effort to find a way to discredit him, some Pharisees seek to get Jesus to answer an impossible question. Of all the ways we've lived our faith in the past, in all the ways we've shown our devotion to God, which is the most important? Jesus, in his response to the lawyer Pharisee, takes his hearers on a journey to the roots of their faith. His response combines two commandments found in different parts of the Torah, the Torah being the first five books of the Hebrew Bible that tells the story of Israel from the creation narratives 
until the verge of entering the promised land. We heard the end of the Torah just a little bit ago. From Deuteronomy chapter 6, Jesus quotes, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. We find the passage Jesus draws from immediately after a recitation of the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, we see laws regarding how people are to relate to God, and to properly worship God, and how to relate to people, and how to be good neighbors. Here we begin to see a fundamental truth of our faith, how we treat our people and how we treat our God cannot be separated. By capping the Ten Commandments with the command to love God, the text reveals that the love of God is interwoven with ethical behavior. The second quote Jesus cites comes from Leviticus chapter 19. The full phrase reads, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus is drawing from a section of the Torah that interweaves how the Israelites are to worship God and how they are to treat the vulnerable in their midst. Love of neighbor is couched within calls to avoid idolatry, commandments to farmers to leave a portion of their field unharvested for the poor, and guidelines for how to extend hospitality to immigrants and travelers in their midst. In interweaving ethical commandments and calls to religious faithfulness, we begin to recognize for followers of God our care for and love of another finds its foundation in our love of God. When we separate scripture from its context, we begin to lose sight of the power we glance through the text. We lose track of the journey. We lose sight of the road signs. Jesus' call to love, based in the foundational texts of his religious tradition, called his hearers to remember their own stories and put skin on the commandments they sought to follow. The Israelites, guided by Moses, who God used to reveal God's will, wandered in the desert for 40 years. In this time, God prepared the Israelites to enter the next stage of their history. But for the time being, they were caught worried about the simplest human needs. Would God provide the manna that sustained them? Where would their water come from? What if Egypt recovered from their embarrassing defeats at the Red Sea and came to enslave them once again? It is into this context that God speaks through Moses and our stories of faith. You are to love God. You can't love God without treating your neighbor with practical love, even when you're worried about where your next meal will come from. You can't steal from them. You can't lie to get them in trouble with the law. You can't kill them, no matter how angry they make you. But it can be hard to love our neighbors, right? 
There are so many stories and powers that try to make it ever more acceptable to not love our neighbors and to focus on ourselves alone. We make idols of things, transforming tools that can be used to give glory to God into gods themselves. We worship money, building economic structures and engaging in practices that prize profits instead of people. We worship power, sacrificing our faithfulness to truth to tell convenient lies that concentrate authority with us and those we like. We worship security, justifying cruel and capricious policies and actions that disproportionately harm people of color under the rotting silk of law and order justifications. We worship comfort, building walls between ourselves and our neighbor because encountering our neighbor can be awkward or painful. For Christians, love of our neighbor begins with love of God. When we love God, when we worship God, we begin to realize that our wealth will eventually amount to nothing. Our power is worthless if it doesn't empower. Our security is not the purpose of living. Our comfort, ultimately, will leave. In worshiping God and rejecting idols, our imagination is shaped and our needs and desires are contextualized. You realize two paradoxical truths. How small and insignificant you are. And how beautiful and beloved you are. You realize you were loved before anything else. Before your failings and your accomplishments. God is love and God loves you. You recognize that this is the truth for all those who bear God's image. All people. Because you were first loved, you can love yourself and you can extend love to your neighbor, even loving your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you cannot kill them and you cannot allow them to be killed. Eventually, we come to realize that our well-being and our neighbor's well-being are intertwined. Their lives and love impact us just as much as our lives and love do. Eventually, like in the story of the Good Samaritan, we realize that the lines we draw around who is our neighbor and who isn't are nothing but spider's webs. Who we thought was our enemy becomes our neighbor. Our love of neighbor begins with our love of God. And our love of God is revealed in how we love our neighbor. And our love of neighbor shapes how we love and worship God. It is a journey back and forth. It is a journey of love. Jesus' employment of these passages in our text today cannot be separated from his life journey. Jesus, as fully human and fully divine, reveals to us how to love God and love our neighbor. 
quickly. We come to realize that love is not a hallmark card. Love is not fluffy. Well, sometimes it can be, but not always. Sometimes love is not fluffy or flashy or sentimental. Jesus' life, like the Israelites in the desert, cannot be abstracted from the context in which it is found. As Jesus expresses his love for his neighbors, he comes into conflict with those who seek to harm his neighbors. He challenges harmful and oppressive theologies. He overturns the tables of those who are engaged in economic exploitation. In the face of Roman power, he invites listeners to follow a new way, to become citizens of the kingdom of God. Jesus' love of God challenges the priorities of power in the world and uplifts those who are trampled by those powers. Jesus' love leads to a kind of confrontation. In the words of Henry Nouwen, Donald McNeil, and Douglas Morrison in their book, Compassion, we cannot set the captives free when we do not want to confront those who carry the keys. We cannot profess our solidarity with those who are oppressed when we are unwilling to confront the oppressor. Compassion without confrontation fades quickly into fruitless, sentimental commiseration. In Jesus, we learn that to love our neighbor and to worship God is to meet the needs of our neighbor, to heal those things that harm them, and offer good news that the way things are isn't the way things have to be. Love manifests to meet the context. In Jesus, we also see that this work is undergirded by a deep relationship with God, communion with God, made possible by practices of prayer and silence. And in Jesus, God reveals God's love for us, offering us grace that is revealed in Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. A grace that is healing us and calling us to live into a new journey. Today, my friends, we face a question. How will we love God and love our neighbor into the future? How will we love forward? We know there's a path forward, but we don't know what the journey holds. We face a contentious to say the least, election and the uncertainty of its outcomes. COVID-19 cases in Boston and around the country are increasing. The marginalized and vulnerable continue to be targeted through acts of individual cruelty and systemic apathy. Our journey forward must be saturated in love if it is going to mean anything not just as a disposition or a feeling or an idea, but love that isn't afraid to meet the needs head on and challenge the forces that place people in harm's way. We must continue in the habits or form new habits that help us remain in love with God. And this love must be known in how we love our neighbors. 
We know that the Israelites were called to love their neighbor by not bringing false testimony against them. Perhaps for our time, a way to love our neighbor is to think twice before calling the police on them. Perhaps as Jesus expressed love for his neighbors by overturning the tables of the money changers, we might express love for our neighbors by continuing to show up to protest for justice. Perhaps as the church has engaged with ministries of healing throughout history, we can express our love by avoiding high-risk behaviors that lead to the spread of coronavirus. And perhaps, as Jesus offered the bread and wine at the Last Supper to nurture and nourish the bodies and spirits of his followers, we can continue to offer meals that nourish the bodies and minds of our neighbors who call the outdoors their home. Our love must mean something if we are to love forward. We are standing on a precipice, and the future is uncertain. Our journey might not be clear. Yet we know that if we remain rooted in God's love, we will continue to find ways to love our neighbors. This, after all, is the heart of our faith and the only way that we might embody God's kingdom. Love, after all, means something. Love, after all, surrounds us all. Let us pray. Loving God, you have created us in your image and loved us before we knew what love was. Guide our worship of you and our care of neighbor so that your grace and compassion will be manifest in our hearts and through the whole world. Guide your people and help us to keep the faith of our ancestors, journeying ever onward in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our theme hymn comes from uh, is number 2213 in the Faith We Sing hymnal or can be found in the YouTube description. <laughs>